your friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. This is Tim and Friends, hopefully shooting a better percentage than the Toronto Raptors today. We are live. On Sportsnet 3, I didn't shoot it last night. No, it's facts. Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet Now, Sportsnet will join us after Draw 11. The Grand Slam of Curling Masters. Frozen Azaleas for this one. Jesse Rubinoff with me as always. Jesse, have you ever curled in your life? In your life! No. No? Loser? Loser? This guy. I don't know if that's... I think there's more people... No, it makes me a loser. Maybe it's a poll. Have you ever curled? Sebi, have you ever curled? Yes, I did. Fun time. Fun time. See, but Good that's, times. But that's, what, that's why it makes me a loser. Because everybody knows that it's fun. And I still haven't done it. So that get out a little. Maybe right. go do something. Go do something fun. Seems like a reasonable thing to do. Someone whispered in my ear saying, he rocks. And I was like, well, you don't rock. He rocks. Ne- yeah, because you've never rocked. That's, no, I haven't rocked. Yeah, you need to rock and or roll. I heard someone told me once that you need like a, a strong core. <laughs> to uh, to curl, yeah, and I, mean, I said I got like minor back issues, so I'm out. Can't do I don't it. know if uh, I guess sliding on the ice while holding would would exercise your core, and if you're you know you got to bring it up off the ice if you're a real curler. Yeah. Anyways, it's fun. You just drink. It's like a bar game. I mean, these guys do it at a different level. Right. And by guys, I mean guys and girls. Right. They do it at a different level. But and like, they have fun. For for you and I, and most people, it's a bar game. Tim and Friends outing in the works? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. You and I drawn to the button. Winter time. Winter time (laughs) fun. Uh, Speaking of ice, busy night in the uh, game of ice hockey tonight. Ten games on the menu and a couple T-bone steaks and then Welch's grape kids. Uh, Brady Kachuk returns to the Sens lineup just in time for an Eric Carlson sighting in the nation's capital. Yes, Barry caught Kinyemi and his $20 signing bonus are back in Montreal as the Canes try and dunk on the 0-4 Habs. And the Jets' home opener comes with some drama. Winless without Big Wheeler and news this morning that Mark Shifley was joining Wheeler in COVID protocols. Now the Jets waiting currently for a third COVID test after one positive, one negative. The result of the rubber test is expected shortly before game time in about three hours. So we are waiting on the finale of the rubber test between the positive and negative tests. That Mark Shifley is, I'm, I, I shouldn't be joking that? about this. I think you just coined that. The, the rubber test? Yeah. yeah, this is the rubber test yeah. for Shifley and the Jets. I shouldn't be making fun of that, but the NHL doesn't know what they're doing either. Because if he goes on COVID protocols, then they should have some sort of system in which they can call guys up or add people to the team. Like, it's just, it's unbelievable right now. That whole Alex Bishop thing in Toronto, if it wasn't yeah. Toronto, the rest of the NHL would be crying bloody murder. But no one has any empathy at all for Toronto. Yeah, I think Elliot and, and Jeff Merrick were talking about it in the last 32 thoughts yeah. and said like there weren't any even discussions about really changing it yet. Well, which wait. Was surprising, yeah, but it's wait. already been like almost a week if Shifley, since Alex If Shifley's rubber test is positive and he's out 10 days with Wheeler, they're going to revisit yeah. it. They're going to have to revisit Seems it. Seems like it should already have happened. Uh, either way, not exactly what the 0-2-1 Jets wanted to start the day with. Plenty of juice, not all... 
good, but juice nonetheless. Uh, the latest and greatest coming up in First Things First and our top stories at the top of the hour. Add a little Thursday night football and the NBA being back in full swing, and I think we got ourselves a show, although we will let you be the judge of that. We kick off the festivities with Jesse First Things First. What you got for us today, Jesse? First Things First. Well, nothing like a little Raptors home opener, yeah. Didn't go so well, but playing at Scotiabank Arena for the first time in 600 days. Sold out, hometown crowd back to welcome the team. Everything seemed so good. It was fun. And then the game happened. The Raptors <laughs> getting run off their home court by the Washington Wizards. Losing 98-83. They were bad at times, many times on the offensive end. Bad on the defensive end. Is it going to be a long season, Timmy, or is this just first game jitters for a young team? Three quarters into that game last night, all I could think about was, man, we should have listened to Masai Ujiri when he was tempering our expectations about this young team and the bumps and bruises mm. that it will take. There were more bumps and bruises than tobogganing without a toboggan. I mean, 38.9% from the field is the lowest number, the lowest shooting percentage of any Raptors team since December of 2018. This a 190 game span. Chris Black helped me out with this. He's a producer around here. Last time Raptors scored fewer than 37 points in a first half was 2015. You know who the starters were? You know who were among the starters in that game? Bismack Biombo, Luis Scola, and Damari Carroll. The only question was, um, did the Delano Banton run or let led run mm -hmm. did the Delano Banton led run <laughs> it's not easy to no. say uh, happened because the Wiz took their foot off the gas or did Nick Nurse find something here that is a very good question uh, I was first of all I, I think what when I saw him come off the bench at the end of the second half there Delano Banton I'm talking about mm -hmm. I don't think Nick Nurse even at that time thought this was going to be an extended run here no. And, and then things happened. And I think what you saw happen was uh, you have a guy now who, yes, you might not have the most reliable jumper, but he brings you something in terms of a, a change of pace. Hold, hold on. This is one game. No, no, no. I'm just saying he brings something in terms of change of pace and playmaking that I don't necessarily think that they were expecting to have off the bench. Now, I'm not saying that this is a guy necessarily that's going to get 25 minutes a night or 20 minutes a night even, but it's a different look that they haven't had in a long time. He's, uh, he's very tall, very lanky, yeah, and gives them a different look. He's good defensively. He's seemingly a good playmaker, but he's very young. Right. We he's have very to see young, how it plays out. He's very out. inexperienced. But he did give the, them something last but night. Those are the, yes, of course he gave them something. But I don't think that you can judge by one half, not even, uh, a couple minutes of run, no. whether or not they've got something. In, I hope they do. He earned himself a, another look. Right, and, and I asked Eric yesterday what he thought the rotation would be because I didn't think that Nick Nurse knew. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the game, I realized that Nick Nurse did not know what his rotation was going to be. And he said after the game, some groups didn't look like they fit very well. And he said that he'd be tweaking. So uh, obviously the Raptors did not have a good day. And now you know why. When you were giving uh, the prop bets out yesterday about mm -hmm. the Raptors season, you looked at me and you said, if you're bullish on the Raptors, there is some money to be made here. And I stopped you. And I said, if you're bullish on the Raptors, there's some money to be made here. What we saw in game one was why I stopped you 
about the if you're bullish on the Raptors because you need to be careful about yeah. this team. A lot has to go right, uh, obviously, and especially until Pascal gets back because what you really saw was struggle primarily on the offensive side. OG Ananobi and Fred Van Vliet are not going to shoot like that every night, and you can go in a million different directions when it comes to what the reason is behind the struggles. But OG, did anything you saw from him trouble you in terms of maybe getting to his spots or not shooting in the flow of the offense necessarily? Is that something that you're, you're afraid could develop into a bigger trend? There, there is a thing where you get caught in, in things that worked for you in the preseason. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that he passed uh, very well yes. once he got towards the paint. Uh, but I think you're right on this. Like I think this team will figure this out quicker than most other teams would because that's what they do. I also think that Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi aren't going to go a combined eight yeah. for 37 every game. Um, so I, I think there's some things to be worked out, but I also think it was like there was a lot of feel good. Scotty Barnes, OG yeah. Ananobi, we were guilty of some of it. Uh, a lot of Raptors Twitter was guilty of, hey, we're hardcores and we love this team and we're just happy that they're home and they're going to be good. I think a lot of people got slapped in the mouth, and I think Masai Ujiri was giving us a, hey, careful here before this all started because he knew what was going to happen. But I will say, the Banton also meant there were three Canadians on the floor at the same time. And uh, the Pistons became the first team in NBA history to have three Canadians on the floor at the same time yesterday in the first quarter with Kelly Olenek Trey Lyles and Corey Joseph. Then Delano, Chris Boucher, and Ken Birch, like an hour later, also did the same thing. Three Canadians, same team on the floor. Um, Olenek, it was kind of cool because he got knocked to the, the, uh, the ground, and there to help him up was Corey Joseph and, uh, and Trey Lyles, and it was like the Canadian connection. When I first got on the air back in 2000, do you know how many Canadians were in the NBA period? Enlighten me. Three. And one of them was Rick Fox. Yeah. <laughs> in two different games last night, there were three Canadians on the floor. And I sent it out, and someone sent me back a note. And I was so close to responding. Someone sent me back a note and says, it doesn't matter if they suck. And I was so mad because they've made the NBA. Yeah. Like, if they've made the NBA... They're good basketball players. And the idea that a Canadian contingent would be this big in the NBA was was almost foreign just 20 years ago. Like, it was ridiculous to even assume that there would ever be that many Canadians. And if you count the two ways, I think the number is 22. I think if you count Mm -hmm. the two-way contracts in the NBA, the number is 22 Canadians. So just... For those who have been around this scene for a while, even if it's in a blowout loss, I don't care. I never thought I would ever see that happen. And we saw it twice the same night. Yeah. Opening night. I mean, I think it just underscores, as a country, we're seeing the success of now the Canadian men's team in soccer. And I know that this contingent of basketball players in the NBA hasn't necessarily translated to the international success that we so desire as Canadian basketball fans. But when you have that level of talent, you think sooner or later they're going to break through. 
and, and we're seeing it obviously in, in numerous sports now. So shout out to our great country. It is a it is a reminder to any kid out there watching. You can do whatever the hell you want. 100%. We've got MVPs in baseball. Alfonso Davies is one of the best soccer players in the world. We've got 22 guys in the NBA. First round pick after first round pick. The women's team is the best in the world on the it's soccer amazing. side of things. Like on the hockey side of things as well. Like it's just if you want to play any sport right now, you can in this country. And that wasn't always true. 100%. Well uh, said. Does it tell us anything that the Raptors sold out and the Leafs and Habs uh, did not? You're going there. Why not? Uh, I, think it, I, I think we have to wait and see. I think we have to wait and see what why, happens with why, the Leafs. Why are you so like, like you, the chuckle, the word, like you're going there. Is, I, it, is, it, is that controversial I don't, to say that the Raptors, it's facts. The I don't Raptors think it's controversial. But there are 5,000 empty seats. Maybe there won't be for you, Sperry, Cock, and Yummy tonight in Montreal. I think it's just strange to me a little bit. And the timing is weird. Like Maybe because the Leafs were first. That's why I'm, I'm hesitant to read too much into it. Because the so Leafs were first. Two, People wait, yeah. were unsure maybe about what it, the situation was going to be like. There have been a couple Leaf games now. Then the Raptors have it last night. So that's the only reason why I'm kind of hesitant to More time for people to get interest. used to vaccine yeah, passports. Because I, haven't, or, I also haven't looked at the TV ratings and stuff to know if there's a level of interest that's shifting. No, no, no. I don't but know the that TV stuff. ratings will be higher for hockey, yeah. guaranteed. Yeah, so... I don't know, but it is interesting. There's no doubt that it caught my eye, for that, sure. I, all I asked was, does it tell us anything? Yeah. It's a I conversation. We're a sports show. Yeah. We have these conversations. Did you, did you learn anything from it? I don't know. There you go. That's exactly what my reaction was. You asked me. That was my reaction. I'm throwing back to you, and you're the exact same No, reaction. but I wondered like, if you thought it was controversial. Like That's why I had three follow-ups. Why like, would it be controversial? Well, you laughed. You chuckled. You, weren't sh- like, you didn't say, I don't know. Do they have better fans? That's the controversial part of it. Maybe. Younger. Maybe not as worried. Younger is very intriguing. Maybe me. not as worried about COVID or having to deal with uh, having your phone out to show someone your ID. Like, I think there's a bunch of different things that play into it. Um, but I think it's worth the conversation. Yeah. I mean, there were 5,000 empty seats in Montreal. Two nights before? The Montreal thing, I think, has a little bit more to do with... They fit 20,000 in there, too, by the way. I think the Montreal thing has more to do with the the fact that the team is not very good and everyone can see it. Not three games in. Well, it's like, if, if, if I'm going to go to a game, do I want to go see an 0-4 team that's probably going to lose again what? tonight? Hold on. You're giving, like, no, 0-4 teams? Cole, I mean, listen, I got mad at people saying it's early, but it's kind of early. <laughs> we just spent three shows ripping the Habs, so I don't know. Maybe they, maybe the fans agree with you. I don't, I, I don't know. I think, <laughs> maybe I'm stretching. Know. Maybe it's a little bit of a if leap. someone offered me tickets, I'm going. Yeah, fair enough. Do it I is, pay for yeah. them? Well, maybe not. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's talk <laughs> about the rest of the NHL. A quiet night last night yeah. in the NHL Wednesday, but lots of intrigue for tonight's games. The aforementioned Montreal Canadiens hosting a very Kotkaniemi's Carolina Hurricanes. We'll see what the fan numbers are at uh, the Bell Centre tonight. Montreal winless in four games to start the season. In Ottawa, the Senators welcome the Sharks and former captain Eric Carlson to Canadian Tire Centre with Brady Kachuk set to make his season debut. And the Jets will be a little short for their home, home opener against the Ducks already without their captain Blake Wheeler. You mentioned this. Tim Marshifley also in COVID protocols. Still a chance he could play tonight. 
Which game has you most interested in tonight? Are we just focusing on who's showing up in Montreal? Listen, don't don't worry. I'm not throwing stones from this class. I just think if you're a real fan, you don't give up at all. You're going to the games. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't want to choose though, because there's a lot of whole grain goodness. To yeah. Me. And there's a lot of juice too. I'm, like there are. Three with a little extra Welch's grape, like some real juice. The winless Jets, home opener, I think they'll be fine despite the uh, early out-the-gate struggles Mm -hmm. and the COVID issues. I think the Winnipeg Jets will be fine. I like the matchup, Hellebuck-Gibson, two guys that could be in net for the States in Beijing at the Olympics. The Sens is a good feel-good story. Brady is back. If they name him captain... As some are suggesting, especially tonight with Eric Carlson in town, like that could get a real interesting look. But the Montreal screw job hockey style is what I'm most interested in tonight. And I think I may have spit a little bit as I said that. <laughs> Please don't mind the spit. Uh, the Habs are 0-4, as Jesse and I mentioned. Yasperi Kakanyemi coming back to town with a $6.1 million contract, his $20 signing bonus. If the Habs don't come out firing tonight, it could be a long year in La Belle Province. Like, if they sleepwalk in this one, you might as well pick a junior team. Like, go see Shawinigan. Or des remparts de Quebec. Is that how you say that, Sebi? Yeah. Des remparts de Quebec. Maybe take in that crazy crowd in Laval that we mm, all saw yeah, a couple days cool. back. Yeah. Because it might not be fun to watch the Habs. But, and big but here. I got a feeling that the Habs, Brendan Gallagher, a couple heart and soul guys are going to fire up that bunch tonight. Because in that market, they might only be four games in. But it could get a little hot under the collar if they don't show up for this one. Yeah after Buffalo and after San Jose with Jesperi coming back to town like you better come out and play some hockey tonight you already had an impromptu press conference from your general manager like if you lose again like where do you go from there there's only so many things you can do and he just said he's not going to tinker the roster for the sake of tinkering and I think what that does to the the guys in the room it says okay this is for you to figure out and we're going to see tonight starting tonight if they truly have it in them to figure it out and try and win some hockey games do you think they do yeah, I think they do. I don't, do you? Yeah, I do. I just don't want to, like, I don't, I don't know if they have enough right now. I think when Carey Price is good and he's ready to come back, I think that's when we can determine what this team will be this season if and when he comes back. Uh, and that's the underlying issue. I don't know if they have enough depth in the room. I think they got to come out and play heart and soul hockey for 78 more games. Mm-hmm. But if that means changing the way that you you play, dialing it back into more of a defensive shell or something because they don't have the horses to run up front, like there are different adjustments that you can make over the course that maybe help with the personnel that you have. And I just think being 0-4, and we talked about it, it is early, there are still changes that you can make within the room to change things up and hopefully set them up for future success. So I wouldn't wouldn't rule them out yet, although 0-5 would look exceedingly ugly to me. Especially with Kakanyemi. Like if Kakanyemi pots a couple yes. and you go to 0-5. Concerning. Wait till that post-game news conference and yeah. wait till talk radio gets a hold of it tomorrow yes. in Montreal. No doubt. Um, to baseball we go. And we could have one team booking their trip to the World Series tonight. To mm-hmm. Braves leading the NLCS 3-1 over the Dodgers after a big 9-2 win in Game 4 last night. And in mm-hmm. the ALCS... It was the Astros moving one win away from advancing to the World Series with a 9-1 win over the Red Sox on Wednesday. 
They can wrap up their series at home tomorrow. Which team do you think can come back in their series? I know everyone thinks I should say the Dodgers because they came back from 3-1 down last year against the Braves and that they're almost unbeatable at home. And if they get that one win at Dodger Stadium tonight, then you never know. The doubt could seep into the Braves' brains, but frankly, this ain't last year's Dodgers. Like, they don't have the pitching depth that they once had, and that's what you need to pull this thing off. I mean, it's Joe Kelly who's starting tonight. I mean, he's he's what, what's best-case scenario for Joe Kelly tonight? Like, three innings? Probably. Probably yeah. two innings? Yeah. And it's Max Fried on the other side. Like, hometown against Atlanta. Uh, I believe he got the start in the closeout game up 3-1 last year. Mm -hmm. But that was also at a neutral stadium, right? The comeback for the Dodgers the came at in the bubble yeah. in a neutral stadium. I think the answer might be that neither come back. But the Bo Sox on the brink of elimination and heading to Houston should be a problem. But remember, before Valdez went 8 Wonderful innings last night. The Astros starters have not lasted three innings all series. The ERA as a group, 1890 in the first four games, giving up 10 bombs, including a record three grand salamis. So I would be very careful if I were Dusty Baker, even going home in, I remind you, 2-3-2 series with a 3-2 series lead, it should be done in favor of Houston. But I'm not sure that it is. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And it just doesn't suit the Red Sox to sort of lie down on this one. No. And I think they have what it takes to at least force another game here. Um, but I do want to address the Dodgers situation. You mentioned that they have a bunch of guys missing from last year's team. It's not quite the same team, right? Yeah. The Braves also without Acuna Jr. They don't have Mike Soroka. So they also have been dealing with their fair Turner's share of out now personnel too. changes. Turner's out with the Dodgers. Um, Jorge Soler of the Braves, who has been out, has been cleared by the joint committee to return from the COVID-19 related injured list, will be available for tonight's Game oh, 5 in LA. He'll replace Christian Pash on the active NLCS roster. So uh, both teams with dealing with injuries and obviously changes in personnel from last year, but the Braves also banged up. They are welcoming one of their own back tonight for a gigantic game. Chance to go to the World Series yeah, without a doubt. for the first time since 1999. Party like it's 1999 in Atlanta. Uh, you got to feel good if you're a fan of the Braves uh, being one win away. This was part of the reason why I had a beef with the playoff structure because the Dodgers used so much just to get past a 107-win no Giants team. And this 88-win Braves team is in the driver's seat. Three games to play. Two of the three games will happen at home. And you have a 3-1 series lead. you got to think they'll be able to pull this off. And if the Boston Red Sox are going to be able to pull this off, Jesse Rubinoff, I need Chris Sale to do me a favor. I think that he needs to go back to that mound at Fenway Park and pick up your nuts and bolts, kid. I told myself coming into this game I had a job to do and obviously didn't get it done, but left my nuts out there on that mound tonight. That's for damn sure. Yeah, you're, you're going to need those. The rest of the team is going to need those. <laughs> Go back out there and get them. No doubt. Um, okay, so you know how you were discussing the Mark Shifley news off the top of the show. The rubber test? The rubber test. Very nice. Uh, Mark Shifley produced another positive COVID-19 test oh, today. No. Remains in COVID protocol and is out of the Jets lineup okay. tonight. That Mark? is not good news uh, when it comes to the rubber test. You don't want to see that. And uh, obviously, he's out of the lineup. So that hurts the Jets immensely. 
Yes, it does. You, you hope it gets well first and foremost. Mark my words, the NHL will change the way they deal with the COVID mm-hmm. situations because of these two positives on the Jets, Wheeler and Shifley. I hope this doesn't happen more often this year, but given where we are in society, I think we're going to see a few more of these. Yeah. All right, listen, we're just getting started. We'll have updates on this throughout the show. It's a jam-packed edition of Tim and Friends. Kyle Bukoskis from Ottawa, Eric Engels from Montreal. We'll talk NBA with Mark Spears, Justin Dunk on the CFL and NFL. Plus, we'll go live to Dodger Stadium to check in with Arash Markazi ahead of Game 5 of the NLCS. And up next, more baseball. John Paul Morosi will join us. All that and more still ahead of this edition of Tim and Friends. The Atlanta Braves are one win away from their first World Series appearance since 1999. Chris Sale with just nine pitches in the first inning and Jordan Alvarez hits the ball in the left. Back at the wall, it's gone. And the Astros strike first in game five. Obviously didn't get it done, but left my nuts out there on that mound tonight. That's for damn sure. Yellow means cowardly, but that guy is anything but. He is fearless and electric. <laughs> With his best of seven tied, two games apiece. Game five. Here we go. Here is Chris Sale. Alvarez hits the ball in the left. Back at the wall. It's gone. And the Astros strike first. And that one's down the line into left. What a night. Alvarez has delivered again. Two more runs will score. Good for five, and I sucked for one. Left my nuts out there on that mound tonight, that's for damn sure. The Astros take game five and lead this best of seven series. They have flipped this thing on its head. Game four of this National League Championship Series. And that ball's hit well in the left field. At the track, the wall, she's gone. The Braves are cooking once again. Now you really start to feel the screws tightening. In the air, right field, hit well, and this one is up and out! What a night for Eddie Rosario. 12 total bases, two homers, a triple and a single. The Atlanta Braves are one win away from their first World Series appearance since 1999. Though they were just one win away last year as well. This is a good time if you're a baseball fan, as long as you can last through most of the pitching changes. <laughs> uh, our next guest, without a doubt, can last through all the pitching changes, though. We do catch him in his hotel room. It is John Paul Morosi who joins us now from Houston. What's going on, Morosi? How are you, man? Tim, I am outstanding, my friend. Lots of great travel around the country here. Had some wonderful meal- meals in the north end there in Boston. Uh, got some great Italian food there, so I am... Uh, Fully ready to go for what's going to be a great game six tomorrow evening. You, you do steaks in Houston, right? Like Tex-Mex is great. Oh, nice, uh, yeah. A, a lot of outstanding food. Barbecue here is very good. Houston, I always love coming here. It's a, it's a great place, incredibly diverse community because of the energy industry, the medical industry. It's a tremendous city. I always feel very welcome here in Houston with some great food as well. All right, so let's talk about the Astros then, seeing as you're in Houston. How much of their legacy is on the line here as they try and get back to another World Series? 
Tim, I think it's a great point because it is on the line. There's a lot at stake for the entire Astros organization, for Dusty Baker, of course, his first chance to, his next chance to win a World Series title. Of course, last time he was in the World Series was 2002 with the Giants. And so there's a lot at stake here for this team, Correa and Altuve. It's remarkable how the, there's the contrast in the way, of course, they're regarded here locally versus then going on the road in Boston and hearing the chants. And they are pretty harsh uh, against Altuve and Correa and a number of the Astros players. But also the reality is this is also a different team. A number of the players here were not around for 2017. We're not even around for 2018 when these teams met in the ALCS. Michael Brantley, of course, we know one of the great respected players in, in baseball. Uh, the, he's trying to go to the World Series for the second time. There's a lot at stake for him. So I, I do believe, Tim, you're right on that, that for the players like Correa and Altuve, they're not going to say it now, but if they win the World Series, there would be a measure of redemption for them because I think you look around the game and, and obviously different teams were speculated about and certainly the Astros had the the, the toughest sanctions of, of anyone. Um, I think for them there would be a measure of redemption to, to win this World Series four years later and really stamp this, this era of baseball, which has been the golden era uh, for the Astros organization here in Houston. All right, you, you mentioned Dusty Baker, and we had a conversation uh, about a week ago about um, – how he was the perfect hire in Houston coming out uh, of what they came out of. Uh, but you mentioned the last time he was in the World Series, 2000. It's been so long, John Paul, that in the 2021 MLB draft, his son, who was saved at home plate, was drafted by the Washington Nationals this year in the 10th round. I mean, that's how long it's been for Dusty Baker, but he's been a guy who's knocked at the door. Uh, there's still a Hall of Fame maybe waiting in the wings. Like, it seems like for this guy who has fit in perfectly in Houston, the opportunity might even be bigger than Altuve and Correa's. It's a great point, Tim, and he is one of the great people in baseball. I've enjoyed every single conversation I've ever had with Dusty Baker. That was going back to when I was a young reporter and intern, and he granted me time and talked with me back in 2003 when he was the Cubs manager. And he is as classy now as he ever was then. And you mentioned Darren Baker. How about this? Yesterday, Darren was in the Astros dugout uh, with his father, and as you point out, drafted by the Nationals, and Dusty was smiling. I, I shared a moment, just spoke with Dusty before the game yesterday. He said, hey, how great is it going to be that because the Nationals and Astros share a spring training location in Florida, yeah. we're going to be together next year in spring training. Yeah, He's a dad awesome. first. Yeah. And, and the larger story of the game all he went through uh, in terms of racial inequities during the course of his life that he that he endured and has overcome is really inspiring. And his baseball life is as rich as any of it I've ever come across. You think about this, Tim, five different teams he has taken to the postseason. No one else has ever done that as a manager in the history yeah. of the game. And he's made it to the playoffs 11 different times. As you point out, he is 0-4, of course, the three games with the Cubs in 0-3 and the one game with the Astros last year in games since 02 when he's had a chance to make it back to the World Series. So certainly, in my mind, he's a Hall of Famer, and, and making it back, I believe, to the World Series this year, certainly if he wins it, but I think just making it there would stamp and eliminate any possible doubt. He already ranks fourth all-time, Tim, yeah. in the number of postseason appearances by a major league manager ever. It's crazy. Uh, mi compadre Jesse Rubinoff said to me earlier, which of the two teams could you see coming back? And I, uh, my answer to that question, I went away from the Dodgers, even though I know they've come back from 3-1 down. And the reason I went away from the Dodgers is 
outside of yesterday's start, the Astros starters haven't exactly been great. Like, and to be fair to Boston, every time you've seen a spot where they might be down and out, they seemingly find a way. Can they find another way, even though this is 2-3-2 and both these elimination games will take place in Houston? I fully expect we're going to see a game seven, Tim. (laughs) And this is not anything to discredit Houston. I just think this series has gone back and forth so many different times. The Red Sox, to your point, this has been part of their ethos counted out. And now, of course, they've got Nate Eovaldi, uh, the second greatest pitcher ever from Alvin, Texas, uh, on the mound in game six. Of course, the greatest ever being Nolan Ryan himself. So no no shame being number two to Nolan Ryan. No, not uh, and so Nate is on the mound in his home state for game six. I, I expect him to go deep in the game even after having that abbreviated relief out in the other day. There's still a lot of questions about Luis Garcia starting the game for Houston. The Astros believe that they have found a mechanical flaw that was creating the knee issue that forced his early exit from game two. So we'll see. But I I certainly think if you're looking at this objectively, who do you trust more, Evaldi or Garcia? You trust Evaldi. And and the Red Sox have shown tremendous resiliency. It's a great park to hit in. They'll they'll have that that urgency that you see from a team that's up against their their final elimination game. So I think the Red Sox find a way to win game six and get to game seven. On the flip side with the Dodgers, this is not the same team that came back from a 3-1 deficit last year. The big guy they're missing is Max Muncy, and he is someone who would always give that solid, thorough, well-thought-out at-bat in the middle part of the lineup that would slow the game down, and that's not happening right now. Trey Turner's at-bats have not really been of that normal caliber for him, so I I look at it and say the Dodgers, Tim, the end might come for them tonight. I I just do not see them coming all the way back in winning that series, whereas, of course, you think about Houston, they were here 3-2 going home, game six of the World Series just two years ago, right. and lost both to the right. Nationals. So that has happened before. Do you like 2-3-2? Two, two? I do. I yeah. do. I know we uh, we love hockey, certainly. We talk about that a lot, 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. I think 2-3-2, two, two, especially for baseball, because of the, the ethos of the sport, if you will, where you sort of are in the habit of getting to a city, unpacking, playing three games there. That's sort of how the sport is structured. It's much more aligned with a 2-3-2 format than 2-2-1-1-1. too much traveling for me. So I, I think that's a 2-3-2, even just feeling as as the players must feel. I'm just I'm just talking like I normally do, Tim. And so I, I can only imagine how, how exhausted the players are after uh, that much travel back and forth. Yeah, we know we got to make the media uh, feel comfortable without a doubt. That's right. Uh, it's all about us. Yeah, it's it's all a, about us. It is all about us. And it's all about us even more because I want to welcome those who are watching the Grand Slam of Curling Masters right here on Sportsnet uh, from 16 Mile Sports Complex. They are joining us. Uh, we hurry you hard into a conversation with John Paul Morosi uh, about the two CSs in both Houston and L.A. L.A. says uh, Joe Kelly is the guy who's going to get the ball to open this game tonight. What's the best case scenario? And this is why I said this wasn't the same Dodgers team. They don't have the same pitching depth. Uh, And nothing against Joe Kelly. It's just you didn't envision a do-or-die game down 3-1 that it's Joe Kelly getting the ball. I would say that it is two innings is the reasonable expectation Three would be above and beyond incredible. But I think two innings is probably fair, especially when you look at what they've done with Corey Knable uh, here in recent games. Tim, to me, let's think about this. Joe Kelly, let's not forget, not that it really matters in terms of his preparation for this start and how stretched out he is, 
but he came up as a starter with the Cardinals. And his most recent uh, postseason start was game three of the 2013 World Series for the Cardinals against the Red Sox in a game best known for that incredible obstruction play with Will Middlebrooks and Alan Craig over at third base that ended that game, that walk-off obstruction with Jim Joyce on the call making that decision there at third base in the 2013 World Series. So it's been a while, and I would also point out that speaking of the Cardinals, batting sixth and playing first base for the Dodgers here uh, facing elimination, yes, and number five, or at least number five in many cases, Albert Pujols is the man there in the lineup playing first base. So if you add, when the season began, Tim, if you add Albert Pujols at first base for the Dodgers in game five of the NLCS with Joe Kelly as your starter, congratulations, because yeah. this is something that we Big would not Bill have seen called. even three months ago. <laughs> yeah, you hit the <laughs> jackpot. Uh, before we let you go, I know you are a man of many sports. We've seen you cover the World Juniors. We've seen you cover the NHL. I know you travel abroad to cover sports. Have you ever curled before? I have never curled, uh, I will be honest. I, I have never done it. I, I do. I want to do it, though, because yeah. it, it, as a native of, the, of Michigan's Upper Peninsula, I feel as though it, it makes sense to me that even though I don't know the finer points of the rules, some of the jargon that you mentioned a moment ago, I understand it uh, very well. The, the sweepers and the skips, I got that, and, I, and the the ends and the innings. I, I think I understand most <laughs> yeah. of the most of the verbiage. So I, I've watched enough of it on uh, on Canadian television over the years to be able to understand some of what's going on. So I, I, I wish the very best to all those competing, and uh, one day I hope to uh, have a, a curling tutorial oh. from the, the true professionals there in the future. You get up here, me, you, Rubinoff, we're going curling, we're having a couple of drinks while we curl. That's a true bond spiel. Uh, for those who are watching Curling Draw 12, Sportsnet 360, Kui Gushu, that is your featured matchup. Don't go anywhere. We got you covered. Rosie, appreciate you joining me. As always, great talking baseball with you. No, no aspettiamo. No aspettiamo come sempre. E ci proviamo presto. Grazie mille. Uh, no, thank you, my friend. Uh, there <laughs> is. I, I won't, I'll just respond back in English because I don't want to put my Italian out there and get absolutely railroaded. Uh, there is John Paul Morosi, our friend from Ann Arbor, Michigan. He's in Houston to cover the ALCS. Still ahead, we go live to Dodger Stadium ahead of Game 5 in the NLCS. But up next, after Trevor Harris was traded from Edmonton to Montreal, could he be this season's Zach Kalaros? We'll talk CFL, NFL, Canadian football with Justin Dunk after this. Week 6 in the NFL gets going in Cleveland tonight. The reeling Browns at home to the Broncos. Case Keenum, the starter for Cleveland. Week 12 in the CFL gets underway tomorrow in Montreal. Here to help me break it all down is Three Down Nation's Justin Dunk for a segment he likes to call Dink and dunk. I'm still <laughs> lukewarm on the idea for obvious reasons. <laughs> I'm forcing it on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, in-season trades don't happen a ton in football. Quarterback in-season trades happen even less. Mm -hmm. How did this come about, Trevor Harris, to Montreal? Yeah, I'll get to that in a minute. Franchise quarterback in-season trades <laughs> don't happen too often, Timmy. Yeah. So essentially how this came about is the Elks are making Trevor Harris a scapegoat here in the situation. They're 2-7, and seven, last place in the West Division. And that's really what's happened here is that they're saying Harris is the issue. When I don't think that's the case. It's more rookie head coach Jamie Elizondo, general manager Brock Sunderland, who at the start of the year touted Harris as a guy that could lead him to the Grey Cup. So they bench Harris in favor of a rookie, Taylor 
killer Cornelius, who's 0-3, by the way. Harris, a proven guy, has taken multiple teams to the Grey Cup. And Montreal has an injury to Vernon Adams Jr., their starter. So put the two teams together and the trade happens. One of the conversations that we can have on 3 Down Nation and on Sportsnet is that of uh, the Elks general manager. Now, he's been under fire for a lot of this year, even from his own staff that is no longer part of the staff as they let their radio color analyst go for things that he said. Is, is, is the time running out on the front office in Edmonton, or is the power struggle there going to go into the offseason? He's probably going to go in the offseason, but in my mind, the time is running out. Like, if you're the board over there, and it's a publicly owned or community-owned franchise, Mm -hmm. so they're going to make the decision on Sunderland, his record has gotten worse every single year to me. Like, if that was you, and you were getting worse every single year, no, dare I say, (laughs) I'd show you the door over there. (laughs) No, we're doing really good on digital. I don't know if you know that, Justin, but we're doing... Really good on digital. <laughs> yes, I do, I do, but without, you know what I'm saying. Without right? a doubt, yeah. And and I thought, listen, I read about it on Three Down Nation, so I'm not going to lie. But I thought that the criticisms of the franchise were, you know, what the, you don't hear it often from a radio color analyst. But mm-hmm. I thought they were gutsy and they were relatively real. Yeah, and, on point. Yeah, and, and what I saw in response was something that you don't see very often at that level, and that's letting a guy go for expressing his mind. That's right, and we should say who it is, right? It yeah. was Eddie Steele, Steel. a former yeah. Canadian defensive lineman who played for the team, who still has connections to people in the organization, and more specifically, the players. So he's got his pulse there, and I trust what he said. Right, I'm, I'm with you on that. So does this mean the end? Uh, we, we talk about it from the Edmonton angle, the Montreal angle. Is this the end of Vernon Adams in Montreal? Who we're just getting started with that quarterback controversy or drama there whatever you want to call it because both of these guys are signed through 2022 that season in and around five hundred thousand dollars and that's not big money elsewhere but in the cfl it is for your franchise guys so they're gonna have to make a decision here and see who they like to go with i know harris is excited to get with kahari jones and jones the head coach really likes vernon adams jr so we're gonna have to see how this plays out at the end of the season and then going into next season all right used to say that the uh, or a lot of people used to say that the CFL, didn't, CFL season didn't start until after Labor Day because the NFL cuts would come up and they would make huge impacts on CFL teams after Labor Day. Uh, Do we have a Labor Day-like week in the <laughs> CFL? Because it seems like there's a little bit of an arms race out west. There is, man. First of all, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers sign or trade for former CFL All-Star kicker Sergio Castillo. Mm-hmm. Then the Riders sign Duke Williams, who's a former CFL All-Star in his own right. And the Stamps go out and get former CFL All-Star cornerback Trey Roberson all studs Duke Williams I think for my money could have the biggest tangible impact to the maybe non-football fan or the Fairweather fan that's not paying attention to the X's and O's but Trey Roberson is an absolute stud the stamps are on a mini heater I think he could be the difference for this team to be able to go on a great cup run. all right let's talk about that because you're talking about a game that is going to be played this week it is uh, the Rough Riders at the stamps it comes your way on Saturday and it feels like you mentioned the mini heater it feels like they're going in different ways <laughs> yeah. Saskatchewan started really well and they have struggled Calgary started terribly uh, there was some back and forth between Bo Levi Mitchell and the head coach the Dickinson in Calgary <laughs> and what we ended up with is is Calgary as you mentioned on a mini heater so did Bo Levi 
and uh, the former quarterback at the helm iron things out here? Yeah, I think so a little bit. And we talked about it the last time I was on, Timmy, that, hey, do you go with Bo Levi Mitchell or do you go with the young kid, Jake Mayer? But Bo Levi Mitchell has shown, especially when he's playing the Riders and going into Mosaic Stadium, that he likes to quiet that team down, and he's done it overall. Those watermelons might be starting to rot a little bit, and the horses are uh, getting in gear uh-oh. here. So I really Don't like pick on that fan the way that the stamps are going here, especially with Bo Levi Mitchell getting his swagger back. Is it, is it just that, like, what is it? What have you seen from Bo Levi Mitchell that's different? Is it swagger? Is it the team getting better? Is it uh, a slow, steady build? Like, what do you see in it? It's a confidence. It's totally different from yeah. when he broke his leg early in the season. And you yeah, can see him, even though he's thrown some interceptions, right, in these games, and he's not setting the world on fire in terms of throwing for three or 400 yards in the game, but you can tell that team's more confident with him on the football field. And he's got it back now. He's making some of those gunslinging throws. And I'm just curious to see what he's going to do the rest of the year. Uh, before I let you go, I know uh, you cover Canadian football on both sides of the border. And uh, Chase Claypool back in the touchdown, uh, back in the colored grass as he's able to score a touchdown and Chuba Hubbard also a touchdown last week for Carolina it's funny because you and I had an off-air conversation about Canadian tailbacks and you've come to me with an absolute gem on which was the last Canadian running back to score and and give it a second we'll play some trivia for the kids at home last Canadian tailback to score a touchdown in the National Football League well All right. Full credit to the SN Stats Department. Oh, yeah. Double check it with them. Steve Fellin, shout out. Clifton <laughs> Dawson in 2007 wow. of Harvard fame. And you said a Scarborough boy. Yeah, Scarborough boy, Birchmount Park. Yeah, without I should have remembered Clifton Dawson. There were a couple of undrafted free agent Ivy League guys that played in Indianapolis. Clifton <laughs> Dawson, one of them. That's awesome. Uh, thanks for dropping by. I always appreciate yeah, you doing this. Appreciate you, uh, there is Justin Dunk. This was Dinkin' Dunk. <laughs> Coming up, we'll get you set for a busy night in the NHL. Could the Sens name Brady Kachuk captain? Could they do it tonight as he makes his season debut in front of their old captain? What kind of reception will KK get in Montreal? And can the Jets get a win without Shifley and Wheeler? All that next in Tim and Friends. We can change the name. Tune in to see who will join me for serious sports talk. It could be anyone. All right, maybe, maybe not anyone. Tim and friends, time for Tim and friends. Tim and friends. Tim and friends, time for Tim and friends. Tim and friends. And now, time for real sports talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Chief Dogs. Back here, hour number two. Tim and friends, another busy night on the network. Dodgers facing elimination, game five. NLCS, you can see it on Sportsnet 1, starting with MLB Central at 7.30 Eastern time. We'll go live to Dodgers Stadium uh, later this hour. We're here with you until 7 p.m. The Pinty's Grand Slam of Curling Masters will follow us on Sportsnet 360, while on Sportsnet, it is Hockey Central ahead of a very busy night. In the National Hockey League, 10 games on the schedule, six Canadian teams in action, including the Jets' home opener with no Mark Shifley or Blake Wheeler. Esperi Kakanyemi's return to Montreal, and we'll get to all of it. And Eric Engels will join me from the Bell Centre in just a few moments, but we begin in Ottawa, where Brady Kachuk will make his season debut 
as the Sens host former captain Eric Carlson and the San Jose Sharks. Kyle Bukowska standing by live at Canadian Tire Centre. Kyle, it's been a pretty positive start for the season to the Sens. Uh, what's the mood around the rink heading into tonight's game and the return of Brady? Well, Tim, when we spoke a week ago, we made a reference to planes, trains, and automobiles. So I feel like today is like Neil Page has made it home for Thanksgiving, right? And the <laughs> fan base or his kids there waiting to give him a big hug at the front door uh, because it's been a long time coming, right? It was a sense of relief a week ago when he signed, and now the anticipation has just been growing. He's been practicing with the team every day, and now that he's going to make his season debut here, Matt Murray will as well make his first start of the year. I think it's just been building all towards this moment. So we'll see what he looks like, right? I mean, didn't get the training camp. He was with the U18 group in Michigan that, by all accounts, worked him pretty hard. But, you know, how does his energy look, his battle level, how long are his shifts, how much does DJ Smith go to him? He's going to start on the top line with Josh Norris and Drake Batherson, two guys that we played almost exclusively with down the stretch of last season. They enjoyed a lot of success together. So I think it's just been a lot of anticipation. And finally, just to watch, you know, one of the more popular players in the organization finally play a game here in this building. The other thing I'm curious about, just what kind of crowd we're going to get here tonight, yeah. Tim, because, you know, it wasn't a sellout, the opener against Toronto, but it was pretty full, just over 8,000 on Sunday, you know, with all this going on, Eric Carlson back as well. I'm just, I'm curious to see what the crowd will be like here tonight. Yeah, without a doubt. I think we're curious in a lot of different spots, and we'll talk to Eric Engels about that in a flash. But I know there are whispers in and around our nation's capital about uh, a captaincy, and perhaps that, uh, that planes, trains, and automobiles may have brought a captain back to town. There's no way they would do it if they're going to do it on the day that Eric Carlson returns to Ottawa. Is there? Well, I think it would be great if they unveiled him that way on the ice here tonight. However, I did check. Uh, I was told not going to happen. So unless the Senators are playing a very good poker game here, I don't see it happening here tonight. I mean, if you look at the timeline, right, the season ended. DJ Smith said it's time to name a captain. The owner, Eugene Melnick, went on with Bob McCowan, said we're not naming a captain to somebody that's on a bridge deal. Well, Brady Kachuk signs long term. They didn't, when training camp arrived, want to rush into things because he wasn't here. Now he is here. He seems like the guy to me. I, I'm not sure why they're waiting here. Maybe just want to get the guys back into a rhythm, as DJ Smith said today. You know, there's a good vibe going in the room right now. It was the first month of their season last year that really sunk them. Maybe they just want the players to focus on that, and then once they kind of maybe get into a bit of a rhythm as the regular season gets going, then they name a captain. It's going to happen at some point this year, and it seems like Brady Kachuk is the guy, but uh, I would be very surprised if it's announced tonight. Yeah, Thomas Shabbat could be in the mix as well, but uh, there's a feeling that Frank the Tank might end up wearing the C on his chest. Uh, Kyle, always great catching up with you. Always great insight. Thanks for doing this. All right. My pleasure, Tim. There is Kyle Bukaskis in Ottawa as Brady Kachuk is set to make his debut. It's the Jets' debut in Winnipeg tonight as they host the Ducks. Jets still looking for their first win of the season, and they'll have to do it without their captain, Blake Wheeler, who remains out after testing positive for COVID earlier in the week, making matters worse. Team announced today, Mark Shifley was in the league's COVID protocol after testing positive yesterday morning. There was some hope that Shifley could play tonight, but his most recent test also apparently came back positive and he will not play tonight. Like the Jets, the Flames are still looking for their first win of the season, although they did pick up a point in Monday's overtime loss to the Ducks. Calgary begins a five-game East Coast trip tonight in Detroit, although the 
Detroit's upset. Some people are playing. You can see it in Sportsnet West, Ontario and East. 7.30 Eastern, 5.30 local in Calgary. The Canucks continue their season opening six-game roadie tonight in Chicago. That's right. Blackhawks and Canucks always mean something. Vancouver trying to bounce back from a 5-2 loss to the Sabres on Tuesday. Quinn Hughes missed most of the game in Buffalo to a lower body injury. He is expected to be a game-time decision tonight. You can see the game. Sportsnet Pacific, 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 locally in Vancouver. How about the Oilers? They look to remain unbeaten as they visit the Coyotes tonight. Miko Koskinen will make his first start of the season in goal tonight as Mike Smith has been placed on injured reserve after leaving Tuesday's win over the Ducks with an injury. Smith will miss a minimum of one week. Stuart Skinner, Stuart Skinner has been recalled from Bakersfield of the AHL to replace. You can see tonight's game, Sportsnet West, Sportsnet 1, 10 Eastern. Eight in Edmonton. Got it good and since you understood. The Habs are off to their worst start since 1996 after losing their first four games in regulation. Tonight they host the 2-0 Canes and yes Barry Kotkaniemi returns to Montreal for the first time since the offer sheet, offer sheet drama of the offseason. I think it will be interesting for sure. Uh... It's actually my first time doing this, playing against my old team. So, uh, uh, you know, it's gonna, I will enjoy it for sure. Uh, I, I think it will be fun. For me, it's a little special, you know, to come back here, seeing all the fans after a long time. It's been a while since I uh, saw them last time. So, uh, you know, I think it will be fun, like I said. There is KK in Montreal and joining us now from. Uh the Bell Center is Eric Engels. Eric, it seems like yes, Barry is looking forward to this. Uh, how much are the Habs looking forward to this? Because I gotta gotta assume that as much as he's looking forward to, to it, the team is as well. Yeah, you know what, Tim? I, I think any team would have enough motivation to win a game when they're down 0-4 to start the season. But it doesn't hurt to have a little bit of extra, right? You know, and I think that Carolina Hurricanes, being a really good team and a Stanley Cup contender, I think they're a Stanley Cup contender this year should bring out the best in Montreal. This is what they need to get up for it. Then they'll attach themselves to that motivation and go after it. And if at the end of the night they get a win, it could potentially launch them on a bit of a streak. And I think that's how they have to approach the game in front of them because the ones behind them uh, have left a lot of people scratching their heads and wondering what's going on with this team. Yeah, it's not often that I ask this through four games of a season, especially a team that just went on a run to the Stanley Cup final. But how much pressure is on Montreal in this early going? A ton. Uh, a ton. And, like, go up and down the lineup. Uh, you look at a guy like Nick Suzuki who just signed that big deal and he's being paid still on his entry-level contract, so still obviously providing good value there. But he's probably squeezing the stick a little tight. Cole Caulfield, who came in as the Calder favorite for this season, at least according to the odds, has no points on the season. Mark Bergevin made a note of the fact that Tyler Toffoli doesn't have any scoring chances, let alone goals. He led the Canadians in the department last year so. Everybody's feeling the pressure from the GM to the coach to the players, and it's understandable. In this city or in any market, you go down 0-4, you're the last team in the NHL to collect a point in the standings. There's a problem, especially coming off a run where they went to the Stanley Cup final, as you said. So that pressure isn't going to dissipate if they don't fix it and fix it urgently. So I think they're approaching this game with a real sense of urgency that they would have hoped would have been there 
before they lost 5 nothing to the Sharks on Tuesday, but they have to assume is going to be there from the start of this one. Yeah, we were saying that right off the top. Like, if you don't come out fired up tonight with this Barry Cock and Yemi in town after what happened against the San Jose Sharks, you're going to need to start checking pulses. I know that Mark Bergevin said there's not going to be any major shakeup, but for Dominic Ducharme, are there any changes to the lineup? Is there any tinkering that's going on here? Yeah, he's going to put Hoffman and Gallagher with Nick Suzuki. He's got Caulfield into Foley with Matthew Perot, who he scratched in the last game. Wasn't a frequent healthy scratch in Winnipeg, so I expect to see some jump from that guy. You know, he's looking for that four-line approach that he had in the playoffs. He's looking for commitment. He's looking for engagement. There's too many things that he's looking for from the Canadians right now. They've acknowledged it. There's a lot of things they need to fix to get into step and into sync. It hasn't been there so far. I would expect we're going to see it soon. And like I said, if they can rally around the idea of beating a really good team right here at home uh, before, you know, facing Detroit on Saturday and going off to California where historically they've had a hard time and it's going to be a difficult trip. Uh, obviously, they stop in Seattle before then. They haven't been there in, a, I guess, it's about a century. So, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, this is this is a big, big sequence for the Canadians. And it's really hard to forget about 0-4, but that's exactly what they have to do to move on here. Obviously, the players on the ice are feeling a lot of the pressure. And I know Mark Bergevin held an impromptu press conference yesterday, wanted to address some of the things that were going on. How much pressure is direct? Like, I don't know if I've seen a roller coaster like I've seen for Mark Bergevin. Down 3-1 of the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs. I tuned in to local Montreal radio. I flipped on some of the, uh, the programs. I, I read some of the newspapers. He was fired. And then you see the relief in him celebrating one series win and then the joy in two series wins. And then all of a sudden you're in the cup final and here we are at 0-4 and people, you can feel like the, the heat being ratcheted up again. Like how crazy, I know for Montreal, it's even crazy, no? It's definitely crazy, and it doesn't help that he doesn't have a contract for next season. And obviously, all the speculation around him, I think it was a big part of the reason that he was in front of the media yesterday. Yes, there's plenty of reason to be there, obviously, to address the 0-4 start, to take heat off the players, and that's all noble and good. I think a big part of the reason that he was there is because rumors are circulating that he's potentially got one foot out the door to Los Angeles at the end of the year, depending on what happens with Rob Blake and a good friend and Luke Robitaille, who's the president could see a fit there and he doesn't have a contract I think he wanted to show everybody hey 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 like I'm engaged here I'm involved with this team right now I'm right here with them and in front of them willing to take the shots and yeah you know I, I like that he committed to his coach and committed to his players I think that's what you have to do in these situations if we were looking at a four game losing streak in November or December it would be treated you know obviously with uh with a bit more of a grain of salt but obviously it's Montreal so you never know people freak out no matter what but it, you know, to start the season that way, uh, the lethargy, to acknowledge, obviously, the leadership void with Shea Weber, who could change the tenor of a game with just by giving someone a look, uh, whether it's in the room or on the ice, uh, with Carey Price away, with Joel Edmondson's situation, and, you know, obviously, I take the opportunity here, wishing Joel Edmondson, yeah, his father, and the entire family to, in, in a battle with lung cancer and not doing well, according to Mark Bergevin. So he's away from the team. He's a huge piece here just dealing with a lot and and dealing with a lot as a general manager who's I wouldn't use the term lame duck but it's a very difficult situation to manage so yeah. I think it was important for him to show up and prove that hey not only am I going to say that I'm here and engaged but I'm showing it hey man it feels like a game day like you're, you're at the bell center I can hear Deanne Bebo on the organ 
that I was shocked to hear that there were 5,000 empty seats last game. What are you hearing? Is there going to be, we we're just talking to Kyle Bukoskis about crowds in Ottawa. I, I, you know, the, the Toronto Raptors sold out. The Leafs haven't. What's the news on what it's going to be like in the building tonight in Montreal? Yeah, the, the Habs sold out for the home opener. And I think, you know, this Tuesday game against San Jose, they only found out two weeks before the season started that they would be able to operate at full capacity, which obviously affected ticket sales. It was restricted before the season ticket holders. So it was a mad scramble and a mad dash. I don't think it has as much to do with the record on the ice and the performance. But if you're an executive with the team and in the front office, you're worried that if the performance doesn't pick up soon, it's not going to help the trend. So, you know, I would expect Thursday night leading into the weekend, Kakadiemi back in town, it'll be a bit better. There was 5,000 10 empty seats at the last game, which is something I don't think uh, we could say about any night at the Bell Centre for a game of consequence since the building opened in 1996. I would expect it might be a little bit better, but I really don't know what to fully expect until I sit down on my seat, and I usually don't judge when the puck drops. I'll wait about 15 minutes for the late stragglers that come in or that are held in the aisles before they're allowed to go to their seats to really make a judgment on it. But I think we all know, you know, the pandemic has affected every business, including this one, dramatically. And, um, you know, luxury expenditures are obviously down in this economy. So we'll see where it goes. It's going to be a story that we follow closely moving yeah, forward. Without a doubt. And it feels like it's not just Montreal or it's not just Toronto. I think there's a lot of places wondering just how many people are going to go, just how many people are going to spend the money that they used to spend at places like this. Uh, always appreciate you hearing the end, just tickle the ivories. Is, it feels like home again. Thank you for doing this, Eric, as always. I, I'm working on her uh, making a guest appearance here, oh, by the way. So be. if we could get her away from her keyboard, uh, which is tough because it's, we're often you know, on at the same time, uh, I think she's willing. Awesome. Uh, I, will, I will count the days till the next appearance and the potential of the Ambibo showing up on Tim and Friends. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Tim. Uh, there is Eric Engels in Montreal getting you set for the Canes and the Habs. As mentioned, real busy night in the NHL. Ten games on the slate, six including Canadian teams. Up next, though, we go from the ice to the hard court. The NBA season in full swing. We will break down a busy Wednesday night in the National Basketball Association and look ahead to tonight with my old friend, Mark Spears, who I lost a bet to, and I'm probably going to hear about it next. Sets himself three-pointer. Bang! Next backup by two. I can't wait to go home and lay in the bed, I swear. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm hungry enough to eat. I'm so tired. Shoot. Delano lets it fly. Got it! From Braxdale! LaMelo! Oh! This guy is nails! What do we make it? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Jake, what is do we that make really a shade of yellow? Sometimes yellow means cowardly, but that guy is anything but. He is fearless and electric. <laughs> Lob! Baby! Oh, my goodness! NBA world, if you didn't know, now you know. 
It was a pretty good night in the NBA last <laughs> night. Here to help us break it down, senior NBA writer, ESPN's The Undefeated, the Beyond 28 podcast, and now getting a little shine on NBA today on ESPN, or just our dude, Mark Spears, joining us now. What's going on, Spearsy? Where's my one? Let's <laughs> <laughs> get the elephant out of the room first, man. I, uh... I bet I, every day I go check the mail. I'm like, it's coming. It's I, coming. I look, look like I, the delivery man comes. That, he never has my wine, man. I cannot <laughs> send wine over the border. I cannot send alcohol over the border. So I need to send it. You're, with, you're, you're just a, I need a, a mule. really good, honest human <laughs> being. <man. laughs> you can't. Hold on. By, by like courier, you know you got to show ID when you give the package to the people, right? Oh, no, the states, man. You, as long as you ain't got a dead body in there, we can send anything over. Hey, we're, we're, hey, we're going over borders. You know, my, like, this is cross-state right here. We you ain't got to put your address on there. You <laughs> no, you got to show you ID. Air Canada Center. Right. I, 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 may, I may have my mule okay. that may be able to bring two bottles of wine that, for, those, for the uninitiated, I lost a bet to Mark Spears. Uh, I had the field. He had the United States at the Olympic tournament in Tokyo. Were you nervous at all, Spearsy, on the bet? Because, like, you won. I owe you two bottles of wine. But were you nervous at all? No. Kevin Durant <laughs> plays for USA. All right. Period. All right. So That was, wh- a, sucker, that was a sucker's bet. It, I was right, homie, and I just happened to lose. Every game was close. They lost. The point that I was – you're making me mad now. I was being all gracious and stuff. The point that I was trying to make is that the rest of the world has closed on the United States and the NBA. And I think if you just look at the box scores, I'm kind of sort of right. Um, Didn't the Raptors have 10 international players on their team yesterday and they scored 83 points? Yeah, they weren't very good yesterday. That didn't sound like they closed the gap. Who was the MVP in the NBA last year? That's one of the dudes. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Who was second in the voting? Was Luca? Who won a championship? Was Luca? Up Who, there? How how, there was one international guy on that team, right? <laughs> all right. All right. All hey, right. Man, I, all hey, look. Let's talk about yesterday. I, I just want Canada to get good, man. And that's not even joking. Like, I, y'all should have been silver medalists. You uh, got too much talent not to be. We should be more worried about Canada than the rest of the rest of the world. I'm with you. I hear you, and I'm waiting. Although yesterday, uh, I don't know if you know this, Mark, uh, we had two different games for the first time ever. Three Canadians played on the same team on the same floor at the same time with the Detroit Pistons, and then an hour later, it happened with the Toronto Raptors as well. So it's it's slow. That that's my point. Yeah, it's. It's slow, but we're, we're taking baby steps Ooh, over who here. Who was that guy that beat y'all that's not in the league anymore? <laughs> the, the, the dude from Illinois State who happens to be Czech? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that dude. I forget his name, too. Um, and Anyways. Then, yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk about last I, night. Cause I, there was... I look forward to the wine, man. <laughs> I got it. You've seen the picture. I swear yes, I will. I pay up on my ass. I'm not worried about it. Apparently you can send it. Uh, via lava lamp, or you label it as a lava lamp, says... Uh, Let them know. Stack, or Wicked Sloth, sending in a tweet. You can send wine went, over the border, no problem, just label it as a lava lamp. That's what that's what Spearsy said. He said, just that's label it as toys. Yeah. And I actually went to 
a couple of different careers. Well, I, they, I don't even want to know about your other mailings if you talk about <laughs> toys. <laughs> hey, you you were the one that said label it toys. Don't play around here and then throw that back on I my court. I should those hordes for that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how the hell. <laughs> We've gone five minutes and we haven't talked about last night, even though I've tried mightily to get away from this oh, bet that I haven't goodness. paid up. It was on. cool pregame, though. It was off the hook from what I saw. Pregame was good, yeah. Freddie Van Vliet uh, addressing. I mean, it's been 600 days since the team has yeah. been in town, and it felt like this high and this re- this waiting to exhale, and there was never any exhale because they got run out of the gym, and it kind of felt like uh, like the balloon was full and someone just. Whew, let it go, and it, it kind of – so. but I want to talk about the rest of the NBA. We, we talked a lot about the Raptors. Like, mm-hmm. it seemed like a really good night for the NBA and for teams outside of those teams that show up on opening night or on Christmas Day. Like, what team grabbed your attention the most of those who were on the floor last night? I thought that next win was cool, man. Like, um, certainly is a tough uh, first game to play Boston – Jalen was back, and for them to pull that out, bring that excitement, like MSG is alive again. It's certainly been dormant for a while, but now it's, you know, the celebrities are back. Uh, the juice is back. Kemba is, is an interesting addition, you know. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not saying that the Knicks are going to win a championship, but I actually had a – not flexing at all. I had lunch with my, my good buddy, Branford Marsalis, today. He used to have – next season tickets next to Spike Lee. And he's like, you know what? I think ultimately Knicks fans just want to want to feel like they could win on any given night. And, you know, now I think they have a team where certainly you see Spike Lee there. They could they could potentially win on any given night and make it interesting in the playoffs. I don't think this is a championship team, though. I heard Mr. Marcellus was a musician, too. Oh, amazing musician. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's Highly a- reckon- <laughs> hey, look. When he comes to Toronto, let me know because I'm, I'm going to get you in. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, you just said like he's a season ticket holder at the Knicks. And for those who don't know, he's kind of sort of a huge musician as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was John Morant kind of a jump out at you last night and maybe literally? Um, I expect that from him. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, he's he, elite. He, he is no surprise to me, man. Must see television. I, I wish his the rest of his team was is better. Uh yeah, uh, John, I always mess his name up. Jonas Valanciunas, you and Barkley, uh, don't worry about it. Yeah, man, <laughs> that was a big loss to me. Uh, I, I thought he finally had a breakthrough season with the Grizzlies, and I mean, like Ja, but Ja can't do it by himself. And what he's lacking is as an ex, a supporting cast. Like, tell me who's their second best player? Right, Dylan. Yeah, you know, I mean, he 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 needs help. Memphis isn't a place where you're going to get a lot of free agents. So they got to be more creative in, in bringing it in there. So uh, he, he is certainly worth the price admission. He's box office. But it's like Ja and the Miracles right now in Memphis. <laughs> I was very quiet about the Canadian, too, because I didn't want to go back to talking about Canada basketball because then the wine would be brought up. Uh, oh. Instead, I will go down the painful path that is the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Daryl Morey on the radio today. Uh, more posturing, he says, only willing to trade Ben Simmons if they get a difference maker in return. Uh, he says this is, could go on for four years. There's no bleeping way that this thing goes on for four years. Like, how do you envision what's going on in Philadelphia right now? I think every party involved 
and and that includes Ben, the Sixers, and you know Ben's management. It's nobody's playing their cards the right way, man. It's it's just been a, a sad show to see. I mean, you you go down to Houston. This is something that we're not talking about at all. And watch how Houston's handling the situation with John Wall. They basically, you know, obviously it's different. You know, Ben uh, John Wall is um, a veteran player who's in the you know downside of his career. But when somebody says they don't love you no more, you got to believe them, man. <laughs> like yeah. it's obvious he doesn't want to be there, and he doesn't want to mend fences. So, to me, I think the best thing for the franchise to do is just basically as painful as this might be, tell him to stay home and pay him, you know, until you find something and, and take the high road with it. Because, you know, Ben's not the only one that's looking um, bad in this situation. The Sixers are looking bad by the way they're handling it. You know, Joel Embiid keeps, you know, adding more fuel to the fire by uh, taking a shot at Ben. But the only say, thing I'm interested in rightly right now is, you know, I can't wait to hear Ben actually speak. Yeah. You know, talk about it. What he what is he so disappointed in? What's what's made him to the point of no return? You know, we've been constantly beating him up, understandably so, but we still haven't heard his side of the story. And so I I think when we do, it's certainly going to bring a lot to light, but I mean, at this point, man, like I don't know what Daryl's doing, like posturing. The one thing that does make sense to me, and I believe it's December 15th, you're able to trade players who sign contracts yeah. during offseason. So to me, if that's what you're waiting for, that's it. I, I don't buy that all oh, his stock is going down. Didn't James Harden's stock totally go down? Right. I mean, I, I know there are teams that are interested. I know that Morey always asks for the sun, and that, that plays a role in it. But I, I find it very hard to believe that there isn't a decent deal out for him right now. You mean DeAndre Sure, guys Aiden? are going to like, huh? Sorry, he asked for the sun, so I said, you mean DeAndre Ayton? <laughs> well, he wants a new deal, too. Maybe yeah. that'll be, maybe that could be a good trade for both of them. But maybe they, they got their center out. already in uh, Philly. They got two, actually, so. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I guess Tyrese Maxey looked good. I, I think that you're right. I think everyone looks bad in this. I think Joel Embiid is culpable. I think Doc Rivers, and I like Doc Rivers, but... I think what he said at the end of last year, like he's culpable. Well, Everyone needed to handle this better. Joel Embiid, you got your coach who said something, your yeah. teammate that said something that you're, and Joel continues to like destroy this dude. So I, I don't, the thought that they could mend fences is laughable to me. Like it's a horrible divorce that's playing in front of us. Like just get to the papers and sign them, yeah. you know. But right now, the best thing I think to do from also a PR PR standpoint is. You know what? We're gonna sideline Ben until we trade him, and um, he doesn't have to be at our facility. Period. Mark's Move here. forward, and you you got to remember the cloud that's hanging over their team on a daily basis yeah. too. It's not yeah. it's not cool to play. In. No, it's toxic. Uh, Mark Spears in the Bay Area, Raptors in the Bay Area, late November. There may be a delivery in the works when the Woo. Raptors make their way in November. Mark Spears, thanks, buddy. Always you appreciate the, it. Uh, the five alive that you're sending? <laughs> yes. Apparently the lava lamp that I'm yeah. sending. No <laughs> toys. Don't worry about it. Mark Spears, ESPN, right here on Tim and Friends. All right. Coming up, the defending champion Dodgers have their backs against the wall heading into game five of the NLCS. Can they come back from 3-1 down against the Braves? 
second straight season. Done it before. Can they do it again? Arash Barkazi from Dodger Stadium. Next, as we roll on. Tim and friends. Game five, NLCS goes tonight from Dodger Stadium with the defending champs facing elimination down three games to one once again against the Braves. Hometown kid Max Free gets the start for Atlanta, but Dodgers are going with Joe Kelly. You can see the game on Sportsnet 1 starting with MLB Central, 7.30 Eastern time. Joining us from Chavez Ravine with fall settling here in Canada, our good friend Arash Markazi joins us from L.A. Last time you joined us, Arash, it was uh, a wonderful 71 degrees in L.A. It looks like the sun is shining, and once again, you are going to toy with us with this weather. It is another typical 75 <laughs> degrees and sunny day in Los Angeles. Mwah. The best job in Los Angeles is to be the weatherman because, listen, it is always sunny here in the beautiful city of Los Angeles. All right, is everyone going to be this happy after tonight's game? I know it was a 3-1 <laughs> deficit last year. It was a neutral stadium. I feel like a bit of a different team with a little more pitching depth. What is the level of optimism right now in Dodgerland? Listen, everything's going to be out like all right for the Dodgers and I'll tell you why Kendrick Lamar will be at the game he is sitting in the owner's box tonight so everything's going to be just fine everything's going to be all right but listen the Dodgers have been in this position before they were down 3-1 to Atlanta a year ago they came back won that series they have won six straight do or die games they are comfortable and I don't know how because I'm not comfortable listen I grew up as a Dodgers fan we're all nervous here but the Dodgers they are comfortable they like this position What's the best case scenario for Joe Kelly tonight? Like two innings. Again, I, I don't know the last time Joe Kelly started. This is a bullpen game. No matter what happened in game four, this was a bullpen game. But the confidence with the Dodgers lie with this. If they can find a way, some way, somehow to grind out a win today, they get on that plane, they have a healthy fully rested Max Scherzer in game six and if they win that game a rested fully healthy Walker Bueller starting game seven it won't be easy right they have to find a way but if they can get some innings out of Joe Kelly if they can get some innings from the bullpen they are happy but guys it's not the pitching staff it's not the pitching staff they are in the position they are because the bats the bats yeah. have been silent I'm looking at the bats right now they are asleep someone's got to wake them up <laughs> all right and that has to come without Justin Turner what's the latest on him and how big yeah. a loss is this to the lineup listen it is a big loss in terms of what he means to the team but quite frankly he has not produced this postseason he has not produced this season but you want a Justin Turner he has been there so many times with this team he is out for the postseason he is out for the duration so if they find a way some way somehow to come back and win he is done that's a big loss I mean when when people say this is not the same as a year ago they're right. No Clayton Kershaw, no Max Muncy, no Justin Turner. That being said, perhaps they get something from Trey Turner, from um, Pujols, who's going to start. Max Scherzer, if he gets the chance. So they have some new faces. they got to find a way to do it without Justin Turner. Yeah, this is a really interesting one, too, because you're facing Max Fried, who is 
among the better players. He's a local guy. He's a hometown boy. He's one of the better starters in the National League. I mean, it feels like almost it felt a year ago. I think it was Dustin May, uh, Max Fried, who faced each other in this very same game a year ago, albeit at the, uh, at the neutral stadium. 100%. I mean, there are so many parallels you can draw from last year in terms of the Braves winning the first two games, the Dodgers win game three, Atlanta comes back and they not only win game four, they win it going away 10-2. to In that game, game five, if you remember, the Braves take a quick 2-0 lead, they're up in the sixth, and then Will Smith, Will Smith on Will Smith. <laughs> Hits the three-run homer, changes the game, changes the series, and the Dodgers find a way to win. Again, not a lot of confidence with the Dodgers. The, get, the, the cheapest ticket prior to last night was $125. You can get in the door tonight for $25. I mean, when you talk about a, a fickle sports town, and these are my family members, these are my brothers and sisters, <laughs> there's other things to do with Los Angeles, so they've moved on. But if the Dodgers, I'm telling you guys, if they can find a win tonight, the confidence of that team going on that plane, it could change things. Yeah, planting that seed of doubt in the Braves who have walked this road before is definitely the key. Uh, Arash, I look at this Dodgers team, though, and, you know, you do that, uh, the contracts on this uh, computer thing, and they show you year by year. There's a couple of very significant names who could be playing their last game in Dodger blue. Like, how much legacy is on the line, and how much do you feel that in and around the clubhouse? Listen, when they made that trade for Max Scherzer and we found out Trey Turner was a part of that deal, that probably was the end for Corey Seager. And when you talk about a big game player, when you talk about a player that's meant such a great deal to this franchise, again, that's a big one. Clayton Kershaw, what does his future hold when he got hurt and we found out he would have to have surgery? Was that the end? I mean, tonight, if, if they lose tonight, this could be the end of this current run. Again, they, they will always be a competitive team when you talk about the payroll they will be a competitive team but in terms of the heroes that these guys have become familiar with over the past 10 years this could be a totally new team yeah and and to that end is there I mean obviously LA just replaces people because they have that kind of budget but <laughs> there seems like there's a few names here that might not be able to be replaced like is there some legacy is there some uh, of Dodgers nation kind of sitting there and saying Wow, this could all come to an end tonight. Listen, the Corey Seager one is a really big deal. I mean, as good as Trey Turner is, Corey Seager is who he is because of what he's done in October. And right now, we have not seen that from Trey Turner. But the biggest one is Clayton Kershaw. There will be a statue of Kershaw at some point in time here. Yeah. I mean, what he's meant to this team. When you talk about the, the pitchers, the historic pitchers, is Sandy Koufax, Clayton Kershaw. And again, he's not playing here. He's not into the postseason. But if that's the end, if he decides to retire, what he's meant to this team, again, you cannot replace that. Again, you can replace that in terms of signing a pitcher, but in terms of what he's meant to Los Angeles, what he's meant to, to this team, you can't replace that. Uh, either way, beautiful night. The Dodgers play well at home. Enjoy the game, Mr. Marcazzi. Appreciate you doing this. Thank you, Timmy June. Thank you. <laughs> Merci. Merci. Hold office, Arash June. There is Arash Markazi in L.A. joining us here. And listen, they play well in L.A., Jesse. Uh, I know I've done the Farsi thing, and I've also done the Italian thing today, so I am a true kid of Toronto. Um, Los Angeles had won 
18 and 19 going back to the regular season before their loss mm-hmm. in game number four. They had won six consecutive postseason elimination games going back to last year. Like, they've been there, they've done that. And when you look at what could be on the horizon in terms of starters, I know there's a lot of people in L.A. just praying if they can somehow get to max feed, this could get interesting. Yeah, but that's the big question. Like, you could not be in a worse spot, basically. You have a bullpen day on tap, and you're going against the best pitcher that the other team has to offer. Like, I understand that it's in L.A. That should be helpful for the Dodgers. But like you said, they don't have the same horses that they used to have, and they're going up against the other team's best guy. So they're in a world of hurt, but, I mean, it's the Dodgers. So would you would anybody be surprised if the Dodgers they hit five home runs and they win the game tonight? I don't know. Uh, Eddie Rosario though they got to slow that guy down. He's been unbelievable. Yeah. Only other player with a pair of four hit games in a postseason, Robin Yount in 1982 in the same postseason series. Wow, he's been red hot. All right, time for one last break. Jesse Rubinoff takes over with the last call next. Tim and friends closes you out and gets you to curling and hockey and baseball. There's a lot on the network. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Josh 12 with the Pinty's Grand Slam of Curling Masters. Coming up in just a few moments on Sportsnet 360. Not a bad feature matchup for Draw 12. Brad Gushu, Kevin Cooey is your feature matchup with a preview. Rob Falls, Kevin Martin, Mike Harris. Gentlemen. Tim, your three pals, Kevin, Mike, and Rob, come to you from Oakville, Ontario, for the first event of the Grand Slam season, and that is the Masters. 16 teams on both men's and women's side, but Mike, this is a triple knockout format. Right, a little bit unusual for the Grand Slams, and uh, just as it sounds, if you lose three games, you're out. Luckily for both of these teams in this key matchup, this is an A-side final. Winner's going to go to the quarterfinals. Loser still has another couple of lives to, to try to qualify for the playoffs. But it is a marquee matchup. You couldn't ask for anything better than Brad Gushu and Kevin Cooey. And for Brad Gushu, his list is long. Well, it is. World champion, Canadian champion, Olympic champion. And this year is all about trying to get to Beijing. Try to do well in the trial. So these big games against teams like Kevin Cooey mean so much to this team going forward. Now, this is a team that has not played a lot this season, but a perfect right now. That's right. They're 9-0 and for the season. That's not a lot of games for these guys, but they want to make sure they go into the trials healthy and ready to go. Now for Kevin Cooey, and again, another long list. He's been through some lineup changes, but also a little busier than Gushu to begin the season. He has been, but again, I think the key, like Kevin said, is that they are trying to build properly towards those Olympic trials. And the addition of John Morris uh, in the background there, two-time Olympic gold medalist, won uh, the mixed doubles with Caitlin Laws in Pyeongchang, has has been the big change on this team. And look for them to see if John can give them that little boost they need to work their way towards the playoffs. So, uh, like I said, we got two of the titans of the sport going head-to-head here in our next matchup. It should be a great one. Another A qualifier is Bruce Mowat of Scotland against the Canadian champion Brendan Botcher. So lots to talk about as we get ready for action on this Thursday night from Oakville. Tim? Thank you very much, Rob and pals. Time for last call. I hand it over to Jesse Rubinoff, another pal in the studio. That would be uh, really fun to just, first of all, take in that event. Second of all, just the curl. And what happens if I go out and I curl and I'm really good? Is there a chance I could make a Masters, Pinty's Masters event sometime? All right, Jesse's calling back to the start of the show when I had asked him if he curled, and he said he had never curled in his life. Uh, I think if you had Kevin Martin and Mike Harris show you the way, coaching, or, or right. maybe Skip for you, yeah. I think you'd be okay. 
Okay. I like that. Yeah. yeah I think you do. Because you never know, know your policy. potential. You never know your potential yeah. until you try something. Right? Are you coordinate? It's a very like it's a hand eye. If you have coordination. And said it was good, but I like golf. It's a hand eye coordination <laughs> thing. <laughs> Asked you if you're good. Yeah. It remains to be seen. All right. Let's try it, and then we'll have uh, we'll we'll see if we. Can I think I think we got a we got a party. I think uh, yeah. we could, do, and I think we might be able to bring out some cameras and yeah. do a little something. Ooh. Maybe into. I like a, where we're going with that. Maybe into a uh, an upcoming. Pinty's Grand Slam of Curling event. Love that. I like that. Very creative. Way to think. Okay, uh, NFL, Thursday nighter. Broncos in Cleveland, and the Browns are absolutely... Way to think, Michaela. Way way to think. (laughs) Way to use the noggin. Uh, The Browns are just decimated with injuries. Baker Mayfield will not play tonight against the Broncos. Case Keenan will start for him. Mayfield battling a torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder, and the team hopes he'll avoid season-ending surgery. At 3-3, the Browns are tied for last in the AFC North supposed to be a big year for them. Uh, do they make the playoffs? Now, they, I should mention also Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham Jr. not playing tonight either. But they do get Jarvis Landry back into the yeah. lineup. So hey. there's one piece that yeah. is actually, I am, uh, I'm very worried. You know as well as I do that I, I have Kevin Stefanski as the coach of the year. I was kind of in on the Browns. And uh, I would like to take all that back right now. They're oh, no. in some deep trouble. Yeah. This is a good division. This, they're decimated by injury. Now, the one thing that they can point to or stay with is that they've got a good offensive line. Mm-hmm. And maybe that good offensive line gives Case Keenum some time. We've seen him do it in the past where he's been able to rally as a backup. Uh, I just don't know with all of these injuries that they – listen – the one thing that is vastly overrated in the game of football is injuries to skill position guys because there's a lot of guys that can play those positions. The lines are the most important part of football. I think they're in trouble tonight. I think they're in trouble this year. But if that O-line can pave the way, I mean, I haven't even heard of the guys playing at running back for this team yeah. with Chubb and Hunt. De Ernest Johnson. Yeah, and be careful how you say that. Demetric Felton. Right. So if uh, Best of luck to the Cleveland Browns. If tonight. they're able to get that running game going and maybe take some pressure off Keenum, the Broncos aren't as good as that 3-0 start. They're not even close to as good as that 3-0 start. We called it last denoted. week. Um, they might be able to do something, but I think they're in deep trouble. Yeah, and it's just not good that it's a lingering injury for Baker Mayfield. Like, if you could take a week off. I don't even, like, I think the conversation, and we don't have time for this, I think the conversation around the Browns is, is Baker Mayfield yes. the guy? Yes, Because I don't know if Baker Mayfield is the guy. Might be a question for the next football guest that comes on NFL-wise. We had uh, Mr. Dink and Dunk on earlier. <laughs> uh, okay, staying with football, and we will throw it back to Sunday when Aaron Rodgers ruined the lives of many Chicago Bears fans after uh, scoring a touchdown run to ensure a Packers win on the road in Chicago. Well, Tom Brady appeared on Sirius XM NFL Radio yesterday, took note of what the microphones caught. Before we get started, I wanted to say congrats to Aaron. Rodgers, obviously, um, not only is he a great quarterback, but I guess he's now a shareholder of the Bears. He was, you know, I, I saw a clip of him really enthusiastically telling the crowd how happy he is to own Soldier Field. And uh, that's really great stuff. He owns the Bucks now, part owner of Soldier Field. So um, he's he's got a, a great career beyond football. Wow, Tom Brady's got jokes. Yeah. Doesn't miss, <laughs> unless it's on social media. Did it look like he had it written down? Yeah, he, someone probably handed it to him. Like, it right looked before like he interview. was looking yeah. down at the line. I that hear he that. Was, 
I hear that. It's if you like can his tell. social media gurus in there. Tally, <laughs> yeah. read, just read the line. What's this one say? Oh, yeah, good one, Aaron Rodgers. So uh, we know the Green Bay Packers are a community-owned team, but if you could own one sports team, what would it be? Or is this a risk of being too biased? I could own one. I, I, I would be... Uh, all I can think of is Homer Simpson and the Denver Broncos. Have you ever seen the scene where... Homer Simpson is gifted the Denver Broncos, gifted ownership of the Denver Broncos. I haven't seen it, but, well, I've seen and it. I just don't remember it, but yeah. All he says is, oh, the Denver Broncos. And Marge is like, they look like you wouldn't understand, Marge. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. How about all of MLSE? Because then nice. you can go from Good stadium umbrella. to stadium yes. to stadium. Yeah. It's a very nice umbrella to own. <laughs> yes. It will cost you a pretty penny, though, Tim, I do have to say. Yeah, I don't think that. I can afford it right now. <laughs> I don't uh, even know if they're selling right now. No, definitely not. Um, okay. We spoke about the Knicks with Mark Spears a little earlier. And again, the Knicks winning their season opener at home in double overtime. We know the fans in that city have been waiting a very long time for a decent team. And now that they have one, they were pretty excited last night. Have a listen. Double Overtime! What the f baby? New York is back! Bing bong! Yeah, de Blasio! We had Cuomo! It was rough, but we have the Knicks! Tell me a little something, KD! Don't you regret not coming to the Knicks! Don't you regret not coming to the Knicks! Boston! Is it time for the Knicks to go back to being bad again? No! I think, listen, I know that there are a lot of unsufferable fan bases in the world of sports, but hell no, the, the NBA is much better when the Knicks are relevant. And just having those guys running around New York and someone having the idea to put a camera in front of them was awesome. I, I would take this every day. They, I love when the Knicks are bullies. And if anyone remembers the bully reference, you understand New York Knicks fandom. Uh, the Gardens is a special place. Bully! Yeah. It's one of those special meccas, if you will. It is the mecca. Uh, okay. Staying with the NBA as this plays out. Uh, last year's Rookie of the Year, LaMelo Ball, uh, helped his Hornets erase a 23-point yeah, second half up, deficit. Didn't they? Yeah, they woke up, Yeah. 24-0 run in the third quarter. Charlotte winning 123-122. Ball finished with... 31 points, 9 rebounds, and 7 assists. More importantly, after the game, check out this Instagram. More importantly? Uh, oh, yes. my God. Got a yellow suit matching his yellow Lamborghini. <laughs> Question is, would you wear that in any way, shape, or form? Would I wear that? If I had the yellow Lamborghini to match, hell yeah, I wouldn't wear that. And I would look like Dick Tracy. Like <laughs> yeah, I would be. I mean, that's that's is, what he looks like. He's is that, like a detective. Or the Riddler. I don't know. It's Sebi? mellow yellow. It is... Uh, Se it's a Se look. Sebi asked before the it's show if it was a rain jacket. It's a vibe. Nope. Just a jacket. And a lot of jackets. It's, very, it's, it's a bit It's a bit much. All right. That does it for us. Uh, we got a lot on the network. Curling, hockey, baseball. Enjoy it all. We'll talk to you again tomorrow right here. It's an offense.